well, well, welcome back to the Limehouse podcast. I hope you are very well. I, re- I really do. I, I just genuinely do. I, I really feel that it, this time of rain and Noah's Ark feeling and the second bout of Trumpism that, that's coming, come on, he's going to win, isn't he? You know, you really, truly, I truly believe that in the very depths of my bowels, not my heart, because I don't think that's where Trump belongs. And I just feel that that's coming. We were watching, man, this is a really stupid um, reasoning behind it, but I was watching the Chicago 7, the the film about the Chicago 7, uh, last night on Netflix. Wow, what a film. I mean, dear, dear God, Aaron Sorkin, that guy can... That guy can turn a film out. And I just thought, it hasn't gone away, has it? That crazy, insane, fascist tendencies that, that have, that lie in all countries, let's not fucking lie, but when it's in a country that's so profoundly impactful upon the rest of the globe, it's always a little bit more disturbing and always very weird and contradictory considering the, the amazing people that it also ejects as well it's it's it's, it's incredible um uh, you know or rather rather than ejects creates rather i should i should say um and i'm just thinking the injustice and the vile cretinous behavior that happened in that in that instance in the chicago seven uh, it's is kind of so just so still happening to this day and I just don't think there's much hope for the Americans. And also, I watched Borat, the, this, the Borat 2, the sequel today. And oh my God, what a film. Then it got me thinking more. It's like some of the, the hilarity. I mean, obviously, it's a brilliant film. I really suggest you go out and watch it. Go out and watch it. Stream it. Go out into another room in your house and stream it. It's fucking phenomenal. Um, but sorry, the Chicago 7's about... Um, riots against the police uh, the coming towards one the, not quite but the heading towards the peak of the vietnam war and the protest there and i'm sorry i didn't spell that out because not everyone's going to watch that film but it's it's, it's, a, it's a totally fantastic brilliantly done brilliantly acted um, jeremy strong's in it from succession and um jason gordon lever and uh, uh, again sasha baron cohen so it's kind of like and He's so he's so on the money at the moment. And Borat's brilliant. There is a moment in the new Borat movie that was deeply compelling and it is a moment where the mirror is held up to conspiracy theorists and they don't see it. They do not see their own new like their own insanity. And it's a wonderful moment in the film and I think you should watch it just just for that. There's also the Giuliano, uh, sorry, Giuliani uh, moment, the mayor or former mayor, I don't know, mayor, yeah, from New York. And he is exposed to the cretinous, vile, disgusting piece of shit that he is. And it's profound in it. It's totally profound. What in the hell, when when this starts happening, this scene that starts, oh my, I don't know, unfolding in front of your eyes, you're like, is this happening? How is this? This cannot be happening. And uh, yeah, it happens. Oh boy. Again, watch it. It's truly an amazing film. I thought I'd start the show talking about that because, I don't know, it's on my mind a lot. But the, the, the wonderful aspect of this particular show is we don't have to talk about 
the vile crest in the sh second wave of shit that's clearly going to come. Um, it's Kerry What Day here on the Limehouse podcast. What does that mean? Uh, it's Kerry What Day. We listen, we're going to uh, hang out with Kerry for a while. I spoke to her just a couple of days ago, which for me is, is quite unique because I know you guys have had to suffer interviews I brought to you from like two, maybe three months ago during a heat wave. For example, B. Dolan <laughs> last week. I'll hold my hands up. I didn't caveat the show at all with that one. Bare-chested again. I was bare-chested. My hair was very short, but I shaved it for charity, and it's grown back now to quite a degree. But again, sorry. But this one's a really, really fresh one, fresh off the uh, the, the um, Zoom H6. This is my uh, interface that I use to record the show on. Um, but yet, Kerry is an amazing talent. She's got um, a, a fantastic EP at the moment called Chapter One. Uh, I mean, off the bat, there are three fantastic tracks. Jesse's is probably my favourite off 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 it. Um, uh, let's st let's stay home tonight, and you can't catch me. Like the three, just fantastic tracks. You're going to love this, and I really suggest you listen to her music. I heard her music on the uh, Under the Apple Tree YouTube channel, which is Bob Harris's channel that he does with his son, and it's fantastic. It's it's really um, kind of like digs around for some fan really um, earthy, bluegrass, country, blues um, crossover artists. And it's really worth worth your worth your while checking that um, channel out because it's got like over five hundred, over five hundred artists on it, songs and what have you. And you can you can really explore. And I'm really looking forward to exploring more of that genre of music, uh, particularly Americana as well. And um, you could do a lot worse, put it that way, in these gruesome times. But uh, yeah, so Kerry's again, she's of that uh, ilk, that kind of uh, genre of music, and. She's had a really cool, interesting path and a really interesting journey. I love, I love the fact that she, she will touch on this, but she started in musical theatre. And I, I like that it was just a, a different nuance and she was a great dancer. And it's, it's all these like kind of little nuances that she's now, she's not involved in that world anymore, but it really informed who she is now and the journey she's been on. And I think you're going to get a lot from it. I hope you do, man. And um, yeah, so... Look forward to that. Um, but in the, in the meantime, I guess one last thing would be, have you listened to my song? Um, there Goes the Summer. I, I dropped it a couple of weeks ago, or maybe not even that. I think it was the, it was last week. Yes, I know. I'm pathetic. I forget everything. Um, yeah, I hope, you've, I hope you've given it a listen. There Goes the Summer. If you haven't, you can go back and listen to that song. It's on the Here's a Song for You episode, which is just a week old. That's Arlo scratching in the background, by the way. Some people would find that annoying, but I, I find it I find it very cute. Thanks, Arlo. At least he's not rearranging his mouth in, in front of the microphone, which sometimes he has been known to do. Um, Arlo the dog, that is, everybody, if you didn't already know that. But, yeah, if you do want to check out that song, There Goes the Summer, please do email me for a, for a copy of it. More than happy to do that for you. I've, I've bung a few seconds of it before the beginning of this podcast. So, yeah, uh, help support me, help keep my spirits up, my, my uh, you know, we all need that, don't we, if we're creatives. If, if we're not creatives, it's just nice to support other people that are. And I'm hopefully putting a little bit of a smile on your face by putting that song out in the world. Just like 
Kerry Wattis with her fantastic music. And on that note, here is the conversation with Kerry. But please do feel free to email me, the Limehouse Podcast at gmail.com. See, see me on Twitter at Limehouse Pod, and we're on Instagram. Look after yourselves. Hope you're well. Man alive. Really is. There goes the summer, isn't it? Look out the window. I'm I'm grand. Sorry if you can't see me yet. I, I can gonna... see you actually. You can. Well, that's a turn up for the books. <laughs> I'm just sorry. <coughs> Hello. Hi. Oh, wow, look at your studio. Oh my god, so gel. <laughs> it didn't look like this eight months ago, but it's lockdown boredom. <laughs> that is so cool. Thanks. Oh my god, what's uh? Was that like a ukulele about on your right shoulder, above your right shoulder? Yeah, that's a little ukulele. And then my acoustic fit over that side. Hey, cool. Hey, look, I think we've got the same colour walls. Oh, yeah. Such a good colour for a <laughs> studio. <laughs> to be honest, I was like, hang on, are you in the room with me? Like, what the... <laughs> is that... What's going on here? Yeah, that's my wife's um, choice of decor... It's um, a very slight. popular colour right now. My best friend's just used the exact same one. <laughs> oh, oh, there you go. God. How, how are you anyway? Are, are you... Um, I'm good, yeah. Hanging in there? Definitely. No, I've been just trying to keep super busy. So releasing music, making videos, you know, I'm, I'm really good, thanks. Man, your your videos have me in hysterics. Like, you know, not. I'm, I mean, I, I don't think they're all, they're all like that, but you know, no. they are super, super, super funny, aren't they? Where where do you get the um, where do you get your ideas from for that? Well, one of my best friends, Millie, um, we've she's also a musician, and we've collaborated on so much stuff together over the years. Like, I've done some of her music and video stuff she does mine and every time one of us has a project we just sort of like get on the phone and i don't know come up with something fun so she's credited as the creative director in the video yeah sweet okay no i love it that's the the medium of social i mean it's, it's just thanks basically to like social media that that people such as yourself have been able to kind of i mean one aspect of it i suppose other than you know writing a song base level but it's, it's to be able to stay in contact with your your fan base and 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 what have you and stay totally. creative yeah uh, no i feel i felt like pretty lucky that i haven't i mean obviously it sucks that there's no gigs and i'm not making any money from gigs but apart from that i'm uh, doing all right can i ask where in scotland you're from i'm from um a little town just outside glasgow called mulgai yeah. uh-huh nice yeah so. That's I've sorry, I've spoken to a couple of artists from uh, Glasgow. I have I've yet to speak to someone <coughs> from the other 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 side of the country. It's like oh. it seems like quite a a, a rich a vein of um, artists from yeah. that side of Scotland. So much music down here in Gla- like in and around Glasgow, and yeah, always has been. It's a really good scene here. 
it's so stunning though as well and this is the thing man when i i always bang on about this like i'm a 60 year old granddad or something you know <laughs> like oh scotland's so beautiful blah 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 <laughs> but i mean i've just come back from the west country and this is how geeky and sad um i promise it'll pick up the okay. conversation by the way because <laughs> i feel like I'm dragging my heels a bit here talking about Scottish Scottish countryside. No, I could talk about but, that all day. Because <clears throat> oh, I've just come back from the, the West Country and I was watching Country File whilst we were down there. Oh, God, there I said it, there I said it. And I was just like, oh, my God, this is... Watching Country File when you're in the country is so funny because you don't <laughs> feel like a part of the show. It's so yeah. ridiculous. Oh, God. Yeah, our life. But yeah, so you you say you could speak about the countryside all day. What is it? Does it get to you then? Does it? You love it? Yeah, I live I like surrounded by the mountains and the lochs. I don't live in the city, and I just love it out here. And I think that's what's kept me sane all year. Is I just go running and hiking like every day. So it's beautiful. Wow, really? Yeah. So you're super fit. I'm super into running and hiking. <laughs> Dude, oh man, so just I um no, I've just I've um I've got a Peloton, so that's literally oh, yeah. I, I that's that's my I fucking <clears throat> there are no there are no mountain ranges in London. No, you know, <laughs> sadly, but um it's so cool how I, I came across you because um I found you whilst watching um under the apple tree oh yeah um but the, the bob harris um thing how how did you um I, I guess bob like heard your music and was just like he's so he's so amazing that guy he literally hears hears your music and just goes right i oh, know he's so come, good come here he played yeah. one of my songs on his show i think it was about this time last year my song chasing airplanes i think it was um okay yeah so he kind of knew me from that. And then one of his good friends, Gregor Philp, he's the guitarist in Deacon Blue. Yeah. Gregor and I have written together quite a lot. So I think he knew me. Are you effing kidding me? No. I loved, no, I'm not shitting you. I love Deacon Blue, man. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> Seriously, I know how that sounds like. No, complete... no, they're awesome. They're, they're so over, like underrated. It's insane like how they are not like more, I don't know, yammered on about like do you know what i mean they're, they're just so fantastic yeah. so you guys you guys wrote together it clearly worked and then um and then bob was just like you know i think fell in love with it as well i think that helped a little bit that yeah gregor was the writer on a couple of the songs and then i can't really remember it's um bob's son miles that did the session with me and he's a really really nice good guy too so yeah and a bit of a genius as well yeah <clears throat> like this Stand By Me song that Bob's put together mm. like Miles pretty pretty much put all that together it's yeah. insane it's so cool yeah, yeah. I, 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 I don't know how they managed to I mean obviously I'm being deliberately naive but I don't know how they managed to make it sound that good like literally just from all corners of the world I mean I know oh I don't know it's just yeah. it's thank god for technology you know, know for what we're doing at the moment seriously seriously have you been busy yeah. podcasting all year uh yeah li literally since this January I think I December January like, like I was just like right I want to do something like my my um I was doing I was doing a bit of filmmaking and that wasn't working out and I was like right I put that down and just I don't know about you, but I mean, you definitely seem like someone that needs to be creative, like because you're because <laughs> you're a creative person. But you know, mainly because if you don't, then something happens within you that starts to fall apart. Right? Yeah, yeah. So 
I'm like I've started doing podcasting <coughs> and, and writing music again. Cool. But it's, it's what's what really interests me is talking to people like yourself who, um, who are just like kind of at, the, at a really cool level, right? <laughs> and I love I I love I love talking to people that are on on the level where they're on the run and they're on the runway. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> I know I know you'd probably I mean it's a bit of maybe a bit of an insult there waiting to take off, but maybe no, you already are flying. No. You know. But but it's it's so cool. Um it's been a long, you've been a, you've, Yeah, a long, long, sorry, slow burn for me. <laughs> long, long. <laughs> yeah. Well you've been around for yonks like five five years at least. Um yeah, I released my first EP in actually 2014 september so that's six years and before that um i worked in musical theater and then i decided to make my own music and it did it did kind of go from not even playing the guitar to releasing my ep quite quickly but the last six years have been full of like the most exciting highs and the most depressing lows and loads and loads of fun stuff but also yeah. loads and loads of you know toilet tours as we call them <laughs> oh, i love that mate i love that oh yeah i remember playing i'm 39 I, and i used to do i used to waste my life in shit bands and we used to play in shit holes as well yeah so but yeah yeah but now i'm at the stage where um actually this week i'm announcing my first album the details of it so that's really exciting I know. I was like, I look at your stuff on Spotify and it's all singles. I was like, <laughs> I, I, I was expecting, because you've been around quite a long time. Um, you know, I, I mean, not in a negative sense, but like, um, and, and I was like, oh, I'll find an album or something. And, and there, 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 there isn't one. So I'm pretty excited about that. I think the thing is, I just, because I, did, I didn't really do like music growing up and I haven't always played guitar and stuff, the experimenting that I was doing didn't like take place in my bedroom in my teens it's kind of all been out there while I've been you know trying to like make a bit of a name for myself so that's Mm. I think that's why I just never got to an album because I was trying one thing then trying this and then putting it out and seeing what people liked but the album's actually been recorded for two and a half years it just hasn't come out yet oh my god (laughs) yeah Two and a half. Have you have you done that? How on earth have you sat on that for so long? Oh, it's been painful. But basically, I so I recorded it two and a half years ago, and I was going to release it within that first sort of nine months. Um, yeah. But the record label that I'm now signed to, Cooking Vinyl, basically got wind of it and loved it and wanted to sign the record. So by the time that happened, and we went through all the you know all the paperwork and the legal stuff, which takes months and months and months. Um, and then start. they wanted to release like three singles before the album. That took mm. us to what would have been kind of the start of this year. Um, yeah. And then the album was supposed to come out like in May and then obviously COVID. So we, shit hit, we yeah. Shit hit the fan. Oh man, oh, honestly, Carrie, I'm so sorry about that. <laughs> well, it's actually been oh. great because I, I've put out an EP that wasn't planned. I'm doing one more EP before the end of the year, also wasn't planned. And then the album in January. So people have ended up with way more music videos and content than I initially planned for. Voila. Yeah. There you, there you go. I'm like, cool that's about it. A, yeah, I, I think um, we've all learned that, haven't we? Because I think as this has gone on, I, I don't know whether, I don't know if you're, you, you think the same but 
I've more people I've spoken to when it first started, like the whole COVID thing, artists, I was like, oh, well, this, we're all panicking or not panicking as such, but, um, what, you know, what do we do? This is grim. Like I spoke to, um, Blaine from the mystery jets and he was like in a freaking basement and he's, and he was locked away, been locked away for like two, three months Mm. on his own. And it was just, it felt a little bit apocalyptic. And now it feels like maybe because we're so good at adapting, right? Um, think that's what we are really good at, mm. like either creators or just people in general. Yeah. That we've kind of, we've found a way to still engage right, yeah. with, with our, with, with people, with friends and then audiences in, in, I suppose, in your circumstance. Absolutely. But, um. You've had this written for two and a half years. Wow, that is something. So where did the, um, where, where, what did the writing process, what was that like? Was that with Gregor or? Um... So the writing process was basically April and May of 2018. I had set aside to sit down, not do any touring or anything and just write an album basically. So it was like, at the time I was staying in a little attic apartment in Glasgow which was kind of cool. It was like right in the west end of Glasgow, but it was up in this top floor and it was really tiny. But I just spend every day in there myself, like trying out different things, playing different songs. Like I wrote most of them in that time period. Um, A couple of them I wrote with Gregor. He only lives like through in Dundee. So I went to his studio. And then there's only two other songs in the album that weren't written in that time. And they were written like a few years before and were just songs that I'd had that I knew I wanted to eventually do something with. But yeah, the the 10 out of the 12 were written in that spring of 2018. And then they were recorded, yeah. recorded in June and July of that year. God, that, that's crazy. I only say that because I wonder what it must be like to have, so to, to be sat on those songs for so long, to know, because... I, I know it's like to write a song or what have you and have them and what they become. Yeah. Uh, quite often you record a song and people come and see it live and it becomes a different entity even when it's, you know, when, when it's live and what have you. But I guess you haven't, I mean, you must have been playing them live for a long time as well, no? So the two that I had written before, I had been playing live for a while. Um, and I actually had a UK tour at the end of May and that was my goal to get all this writing done by the end by the start of that tour so I could spend two weeks just like blasting all the songs out live and seeing how they played and everything so by the time I went out to the US to record them I had a pretty good idea but I also had the most amazing producer and live session players that I don't know they just became something totally different and now I like playing them like the record like so can I just ask, is like uh, Kissing Fools and, and what have you, is that like, um, is that going to be on the album? Yes, so... Okay, because that's an amazing sound. Thanks. Yeah, so so that is the thing. Since I signed to this label, I have now released quite a few of the album tracks. So people, yeah, yeah will know kind of what the sound is going to be. Okay. And I, it's, do you know, do you know, is it Jenny Lewis? I don't know Jenny Lewis. No. No, I think it. I think it's Jenny Lewis. Yeah, she did an album with Ryan. Um, uh, Ryan Adams. I'm not obviously. Yeah. D- 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 Ryan Adams, but Grim, <laughs> but um, 
what an album that is oh my god and i think you're Ooh. you you, you kind of remind me of that what you do really really well at least the stuff i've heard on spotify is balance the the what people want like in in terms of mainstream sound but also um what, what i would perceive to be your sound like your natural um thanks take you know and um damn that's a hard thing to achieve that is so hard to achieve in in writing music you know where you're not just following the crowd you know yeah i think probably that's come with maturity like i'm 31 now so i've been you, you're 31 bloody hell you look about 20 <laughs> i'll take it thanks <laughs> yeah take, take it all day long man <laughs> so when i wrote yeah. these songs you know i was like 28 29 and had, had had lived in all kinds of places and by that point toured a lot, experienced lots of music, different people, relationships. And I think that actually helped a lot in that I was kind of so by that stage comfortable with who I was that I wasn't going to write any songs that I felt should be one way or another. I was just sort of writing, you know, from my heart <laughs> or my yeah, head. It's, yeah, it's cool, though, because you have to. You have to be able to do that, right? You have to re reach an age and of, of some kind of, I would say, like, hardship helps, but also that kind of a little bit more longevity. Yeah. I I, I suppose I've, I've had some, you, you know, said highs and lows earlier. I mean, I really, really felt comfortable in my skin or more confident about being me until I was probably in my early 30s, like 33, 34. Mm. Um when I went off and found two dogs uh, in in Thailand, I went to volunteer at a dog sanctuary, and, and wow. it all kind of came to yeah, kind of came together like that. And but um, I I don't know why I'm talking about that. Um, <laughs> maybe I'm just trying to sound like I'm a great guy to those <laughs> listening. Jeez, he loves dogs. Wow. Um, well, everyone listening to that already knows that because in fact Rosie is right next to me at the uh -huh. moment. As you can see, the pink collar, but. Can oh, yeah, I couldn't out? actually make it out at first. I can't yeah. make out her yeah. features. Oh, those are her ear ears? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. She's, yeah, she's sat on a dark sofa and she's black, so she doesn't pop up very well. Mm -hmm. um, do, do, you, do you follow Andrew Cotter at all on, um, on, on, on Twitter? No, should you, I? Oliver and Mabel, it's absolutely hilarious. He's the commentator who does Oliver and Mabel. It's absolutely brilliant. Okay, I'll He's check got it out. Scottish accent oh my god it's unbelievable it's just <laughs> so funny I'll send you a link but anyway Perfect. um no yes yeah, so I mean highs and lows man because it, it is interesting to me do you do you think like, I know it's quite a broad a broad question but do you think you are have you ever reached a place in your songwriting where you almost look back on the the lower parts and thought this is really informing a song to to such a degree that I'm almost glad that that low happened or definitely a relationship or something yeah i think seeing as younger i had so many bad relationships and heartbreak and cheated on that like i feel like even if i was happy now for the rest of my life i could literally write like sad songs all day long <laughs> which is great because i have been very happy for like five or six years now and you know i can't have an album full of the most upbeat songs there needs to be a little bit of color in there so there are a couple of sort of heartache songs on the album that were inspired by the past yeah 
Yeah, I've just I've got a friend of mine who's going through quite a severe um, breakup at the moment, and um, she's kind of been led up the garden path for the best part of two years. Yeah. Um, I my my only thing is is if you t- how to turn that into a song without it sounding like a fucking you know like Dolly Parton, you know. Okay, <laughs> Dolly Parton. Okay, crazy legend. That's probably a bad a bad version of Dolly. <laughs> I was going to say what what you got against yeah. Dolly. Yeah, <laughs> was it casting shade? Is that what that expression is? <laughs> casting so. shadow, shit. throwing shade, throwing shade. Throwing that's some... it. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Yeah, country file dad here. Um, <laughs> but yeah, and it's cool. So, um, it's it. Uh, what what I always really like asking um, artists is where kind of like the spark came from, like from a young age where, yeah. where music came came when music came into their lives. So growing up, um, I mean, I always wanted to be a performer. So I was like a competitive dancer at age seven. And I always thought I was going to be a professional dancer, like traveling. Yeah, honestly, my parents had to. And it wasn't like I had pushy parents. I was the pushy one. Had them like traveling the length of the UK every single weekend to take me to competitions. Um, and obviously I was dancing to music and I was just like, I just have always, like anyone who loves music or makes music, feel it deep in a place that I know not everybody in the world does. And it's just such an amazing feeling. And so I just used to love moving my body to it. And I always thought I would be a dancer. And my parents had a really diverse um interest in music. So I was brought up with all kinds of stuff, which I think always helps. And then, yeah, dancing sort of led me to musical theatre, which I loved because it was, you know, music and, and a bit of everything, acting and all that fun stuff. But it was while I was on this tour, um, it was really like one of my first professional dro- jobs in theatre and I was travelling around the UK for a year and there was lots of downtime between shows. So I would like listen to music and one of the guys in the band had an acoustic guitar that he would just keep backstage. Mm-hmm. And so I just would like pick it up, you know, and before rehearsals or before a show and mess around with it. And at the time I was like listening to loads and loads of Cheryl Crow. I always loved Cheryl yeah. Crow going up, but she's like the perfect road trip music. So driving from city to city on this tour, I'd always have Cheryl Crow on and the Rolling Stones and Bob Dylan. And that's kind of what I was listening to. All great songwriting and, and I think listening to that on the road and then learning to play the guitar during the day, they sort of came together and mm. I started writing songs. Um, and by the end of that year with that show, I decided I was going to make like the full transition to become a musician, which was quite scary because I just spent, like I say, from a very young age, all those years building towards one particular career. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think was that built out of necessity in terms of like was was the dancing acting uh, was it not kind of panning out and and or was it more of the draw you the I fork think in the road moment came? It it was a really hard decision because it was going as well as it could have been. I just graduated. I got a part in my first professional job. It was a West End tour, and. Mm-hmm. I had a great agent and I was like auditioning for parts like Nancy and Oliver in the West End and it it was going in a good direction. But I was feeling like this real lack of 
creativity because you know growing up going to theater college and in school and everything we'd always get to make up our own songs or make up our own dances or shows that was part of the the training but then when you go into the professional world you're really just putting on a costume that's been worn by someone before reading lines that were written years ago there's like no control right either no so you're Mm. yeah you're really just kind of really pigeonholed into you can do this you can play this kind of part you can't play this you can you know and I just wanted a bit more freedom and I really find that in songwriting yeah but I mean because it is I I, I had a girlfriend who is um I mean you know in the whole musical theater yeah arena and um man it was brutal like the auditions that she had come back from um, it is an absolutely I, I, brutal life. Yeah. I mean, did that take its toll? Um, to be honest, I don't think I gave it long enough. You know, I like I say, I only really, after graduating from this theatre college, I only really gave it a year or two. But, mm. I, and I loved going to the singing auditions and the acting auditions, but when you had to go to, like, a tap audition and there's, like, 500 other girls in there, and you're not a strong tapper. It is a little bit soul destroying, and painful yeah. on the ears. Dude, like honestly, <laughs> I, I can't imagine. I mean, because a part of La La Land that I really enjoyed. Um, that I'm only, I'm only referencing that because of um, the kind of like the audition moments mm-hmm. that I cannot remember the act, the act, the actor's name now. Oh, she's going Emma Stone. So anyway, she's going Emma Stone. Thank yeah. you. And she's she's and like yeah, they sum up what billion billion hundreds of thousands of, of actors go through every day right? yeah you know? I mean it's hard oh, you it's like... but then you go into like music and at, at least with theater I had an agent and there was a specific job I could audition for with music it's just yeah. like it's just me and there's the world to try and <laughs> get to hear <laughs> music so. it's funny though because even it is quite cool because if you do actually manage to find a, a, a niche, even if, you know, just a, a few, you know, I, I don't know how many thousand people you'd need, but it's not to to, to make something sale, like in yeah. terms of like take off, take off. It's actually quite cool, man. You can like really sustain your own little bubble, can't you? Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. There's lots and of people doing exciting. that on like Patreon things like that yeah 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 i um i used to dabble in that um but uh technology scares the living shit out of me kerry so <laughs> I gave up. it's a lot of pressure <laughs> you know it is yeah but um in terms of like musical heroes was was was, was there only like um was there a mum and a mum and dad moment where they sat you down and, and and like or put some dylan on in your face or some Fleetwood Mac in your face and said, there you go. Here's your life sorted. <laughs> My mum and dad were the biggest Michael Jackson fans. And oh, consequently, so was I. And oh, would just listen great. on repeat. And I think that is really also what got me interested in dancing from such a young age. Because they used to have his um, tour VHSs. <laughs> And we just have them on all the time. And I, I really specifically remember it being like two years old in a car and watching it on the VCR. And I think, yeah, that is really where that came from. 
like, oh, wow, that's amazing. You were two years old, two years old. You can remember that. Yeah. I don't know if it's because there's a video of it. You know that thing you don't remember. Yeah. If you, but me and my best childhood friend, Ashley, both had these big t-shirts. It was the Michael Jackson Pepsi t-shirt with the Puma or the Jaguar on it. Yeah, my dad yeah. and my uncle got from one of his concerts and me and Ashley are wearing them and we're tiny. We're like two and three years old and we're like drowned in these big t-shirts dancing, like jumping <laughs> up and down and watching this video. Oh, amazing. Yeah. Did you ever get, did you ever see MJ live? No. No. Did I, you? I, I, one of God no no I I I mean I I wanted to be Michael Jackson when I was a kid like just like you I was like my parents would take you know take the piss out of me I, like my mum's always telling me when I was when I was a kid they'd just like I'd be nodding in the back seat because I used to suck my two middle fingers yeah and sit in the back seat and just nod my head like this bang my head back and forth to music. <laughs> constantly and they go what do you, who do you want to be when you're older William and I just go Michael Jackson <laughs> Michael Jackson I think god jeez yeah you know? yeah god. those are those are funny times I mean I've got like I, I can remember Jimi Hendrix live at the Isle of Wight festival playing Johnny Be Good and I can I must have been about I don't know eight or something and I, strangely I can definitely remember Live Aid on the telly oh, wow. um, I would only have been about five yeah Freddie Mercury um it's just weird, isn't it? What like kind of sticks in your in your memory and how how you hold it in your heart and how you like mm. how it becomes such a tattoo on your soul. Totally, yeah. You know, like a gu guiding light, almost. I have a, another album that kind of does that for me too. Like what you're saying, like sticks on your soul or whatever you said. But my parents always used to play that Leanne Rhymes "You Light Up My Life" album. Yeah. I think yeah. she was like 15 when she recorded that. It's crazy. And it's such an incredible album. It's quite gospely, And um, it was just so amazing. And I used to sing to it all the time. And I think that she was the first sort of um, female singer that I loved. And then Celine yeah. Dion. And then when I discovered Britney when I was like eight, when she came out, that was just like game over. I just was still want to be Britney. <laughs> yeah, oh, dude, she's so fucking cool. Yeah. I, I mean, like, hit, hit me, baby, one more time. I used to love that song. Yeah. I, I mean, I was probably too old to be into it as much as I was. <laughs> um, but I just loved it. Yeah. I don't know why. It's just got it's just cool. It's quite a hard... I don't know. I quite like the harder aspect of it. I don't like the hard... I don't know what it was like it was just cool like the breaks in it and stuff like the, I, I enjoyed it fuck it it's pop when pop really get, gets to you man it's it's like there's nothing else it's like so so dry it's like a drug definitely and you you can't really in this life afford like it's too short life yeah. is too short to be all snobby you know yeah totally if it's if it's good I, it's good I agree yeah um so when did when did you like find other like-minded musicians because you because for me it's like you're painting a picture that seems like you've kind of been on a journey that seems very i don't know in a horrible sense but yeah solo ice almost quite isolated like a journey of discovery so it, it has truthfully and still does feel that way a lot of the time i think yeah being a solo artist is uh it's challenging and lonely a lot of the time and in the beginning i started out by like going to open mics and stuff in Glasgow. Um, and so I met some other musicians there. 
But mm. after a year of doing that, I decided to move back down to London. I had lived there when I trained a few years before. But um, and then when I moved back down there, I started meeting a lot of bands. I don't know why I was always meeting bands. The manager that I had at the time worked with a lot of bands. So I wasn't meeting that many solo artists. Um, and they were mostly like young sort of male indie rock bands. who were nice, but not the kind of people that I would, you know, just be hanging out on a daily basis with. Um, yeah. What was, so what was the intention there? They were going to like try and get you in a band or something or what? No, it's just the manager that I had just, um, just really liked my music despite what his kind of yeah. background of music was and really wanted to help me out. And yeah, it really did for a couple of years. And then, then it was more when I started see this kind of country scene that's developed, which I wouldn't personally describe my music as country, but I know here in the UK it has these sounds that people identify with country music. So started yeah. playing a lot of these country festivals and shows, and that is where I finally sort of found a little tribe and community of like-minded solo musicians that, uh, yeah, I could really relate to and... Have, who was who was the, some of the first that you related to the most and brought you on board into the family as it went into the fold? Um, I met Ward Thomas when I first moved down there in twenty fourteen, okay. and that was when that was just kind of start starting. They were opening for the Shires at the time, and yeah. so I got to know those guys, and then like Laura Oaks and Liv Austin. Um, and later the Wandering Hearts and it's just yeah a really Wandering nice Hearts little, are fantastic yeah. yeah really nice community of people that I feel like we're all at a similar level and understand what it feels like and what you're kind of going through and mm. another thing that definitely helped me find like I say a tribe was um, getting into co-writing definitely okay yeah which I loved, loved, loved doing kind of for three years solid living down in London. Don't do it as much of since I moved back up to Scotland. But now I make yeah. more of a point to like go on a Nashville trip to do writing or what? Sweet. Yeah, my brother lives Sweet. there, so. In Nashville? Yeah, he is a lot younger than me, but he is a, he's a producer there. Sweet, god damn. Man, music's in your family, right? Yeah, we we don't know where it came from because I mean my parents love music but they're not musical. <laughs> yeah, I suppose it's generational because it's like how you're put in front of it. I think it's like um, you know MTV and all and all that kind of. It's maybe it's more accessible. Like it's more, yeah, it's more more odd. odd I mean, there's a few years between us, but like there's definitely more of the can do mm. uh, element. I think perhaps like now as opposed to making music back in the. 70s you have to really know someone you know now yeah. you can just go get a computer and make it really yeah um but yeah that's really that's really cool um yeah god I, i'm trying to i'm trying to imagine what it where, where in london were you when you lived here um i moved around a little bit so i've lived in fulham and clapham yeah. i lived for a while in epsom which is not quite london but sort of surrey yeah, way epsom are, I'm from Guildford. So okay, you know it. So yeah. And then I know it all, my darling. <laughs> I know it all. I know Fulham. Yeah. I know Clapham. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> I also lived in Brighton for a couple of years before we moved back up here. I love oh, Brighton. Dude. Yeah, Brighton's banging, banging. <laughs> I went, I, yeah, it's funny because you would have probably been gigging around the same time as me because I only stopped gigging about sort of four years ago. So that's, oh, that's quite cool. Yeah. Um, what were yeah, some I, of your favourite venues in London to play? I, I, do you know what? It's been so bloody long. Honestly, Kerry, I I, I liked um, like uh, the Betsy Trotwood. That was quite fun. And the gar the garage, but that the garage is quite um, big and you had to really work to get even a third of that capacity in there. Yeah. I, d I don't know. Because um, the other thing about your, um, you know, the genre of music, the family of music you're involved with is that there's a really good circuit. It's like the same with the blues circuit like I I've, I was obsessed with the blues and to a degree kind of still am mm -hmm. um and they're, they're just they're just venues that you go to and they shut the fuck up and they respect you when you play and they will buy your cds like that's the other thing they just buy your shit you know it's amazing they, they really want to support you yeah what, what are your what are your favorite venues um I love in London I loved I played the Union Chapel once loved that oh, i also saw one of my favorite artists there keb mo no keb keb mo oh my god keb mo is amazing yeah i was so excited Absolutely to see he was amazing. on that stand by me track yeah i know i saw that as well i was like god but came up i think he did like one word <laughs> <laughs> yeah but he he was playing guitar on it yeah okay yeah. okay there we go yeah because yeah. he, he oh my do you, do you know a guy called eric bibb uh He's a bit like he's a bit like him, but he's yonks ago. So he, yeah. God, jeez, when he he came up. But anyway, so I'm distracting you. So you you played the Union Chapel with Keb with Keb Money. No, no, no. I I played it once, and then I saw him play another time. Okay. And I was going to say, as a performer yeah. and as an audience member, I love that venue. Oh, it's unbelievable. It's so beautiful. Yeah, yeah. It's really really What's cool. It? So was that just you and the guitar, or you and the a band, or just me and guitar? Yeah. Well, tell me about the nerves. Did you, did you get stage? Did you get? I played nerves? most of my biggest stages just me and guitar, and sometimes I feel more nervous with the band because it's more people to worry about, <laughs> you know. Okay. Like on my own, I, I've just got my set so slick. Even though the songs change over the years, I'm comfortable. You know, I've been on a stage since I was very young. So. Yeah. Yeah, I I do find. When I get nervous is if I have to do like a really small, like a house gig or a so far sounds, you know, where people are like right here. Big time. Yeah. Yes, definitely. Yeah. But that's, you just can't escape, can you? Like, yeah. That is, that's intense. Or like going to a family event where you know they're going to make you perform and you just spend all evening being like, please, please, please don't ask me. <laughs> oh, Kerry, Kerry can sing. Go on, Kerry. <laughs> Get the guitar, go on, come on. Yes. Your auntie Jackie loves so. it when you sing. <laughs> so patronising. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I'm trying to imagine what it must be like to actually see you, like, acoustic and stuff. I know I've seen it on, on under the um, under the apple tree, but, like, in terms of, like, taking songs like... Um, one song I really love is Jesse. I think I post that on your um, Insta account. Uh, yeah, yeah. Earlier today. Thanks. I love it. Yeah, I love that fucking song, man. It's great. That was when I was saying about two of the songs that I had written previously before this little album writing session that I did. Jesse was, I think, the second or third song I ever, ever wrote when I was still kind of learning to play the guitar. And it's actually about 
the show that I was on at the time that I was learning to play because it's quite dark and it's yeah it's about the story of that show basically but so that song like I have been playing for years and I definitely know how to play it live (laughs) (laughs) It's, it's funny isn't it like I always think that when I'm watching someone live or even on the telly box or like what have you um I go oh my god they're just it's just on their own how do they remember all these lyrics and I think back to well you did it I know yeah. but, but I didn't do it in front of 4,000 5,000 <laughs> people or something I mean god it was scary and stuff um but just can I turn fanboy on you how did the relationship start with with um Deacon Mr. Deacon Blue like how did that come about this was just a really cool scottish connection where basically a few years ago i was playing a mini scottish tour you know just really small venues um around sort of glasgow edinburgh dundee and then the highlands um i'm trying to remember the name it's one of the it's really small (laughs) it was in dundee i can't (laughs) remember the name of it anyway i played this set to about six people and um, that was all that turned up and the- dude that's my entire <coughs> like gigging career people. <laughs> please carry on <laughs> and at the end of it i got chatting to this guy who turned out to be gregor guitar player in deacon blue and Sweet. he was like yeah i just live locally and i love to come down and check out the music here and i think you're great if you ever want to write together let me know and that was it that's in, that is so ridiculous. Like, that's like, do you know? It, it, I mean, obviously not on the as big a scale, but it's kind of like it, that, that when um, Alan McGee was at uh, King Tut or whatever the hell. Yes, yeah, Oasis. Uh, right, yeah, for Oasis. That's yeah, like, that's funny because you never know who you're gigging in front of, and I think a you lot totally of people. You totally don't. Yeah, like there are a lot of mentors and and people podcasters that will say that and all about all the creative things and if whatever you're doing creatively you don't know who's listening you don't know who's there so absolutely i mean that was just a tiny pub with like i say no audience up in dundee which you don't really think of as being a very you know buzzing part of the country (laughs) (laughs) but he they all sort of live in that area or most of them yeah yeah god that that's so cool man like um but it's so how did the process start then he was just like i've got a studio or, or yeah. do you have studio time or something yeah he was just like um i've got home studio he and his family just live in an area called broughty ferry which is kind of neighboring yeah. uh dandy and he's like I know, yeah. yeah yeah just come up whenever you're free and um i don't know we just had really really good writing connection and it wasn't like one of those yeah. co-writing where it was like oh, okay nice to meet you yeah. like but you never (laughs) we developed a really great songwriting relationship and actually we're currently planning uh well it's not i haven't confirmed all the details but a little christmas special thing but (laughs) yeah that's great yeah something for something to look forward to yeah yeah Yeah. i love that that's so cool and to have and to have someone that you know you can look up to and admire um and and not necessarily show you the ropes because you already by you know time he came along I'm I'm guessing you kind of like knew pretty much so much about yourself anyway but it's so that is so cool I love that I'm yeah. I'm big into that I'm, I'm a massive Tom Petty fan and people are going to get sick and tired of me talking about Tom Petty but 
he he's definitely mentored quite a few people and whenever I, I think about that I'm always like wow that must that must have been something you know to be an artist and then suddenly have someone that is a real real artist you know like not struggling they've they've been there and made it yeah come and go your stuff your stuff's good absolutely that's what, cool yeah that's so that's so fantastic um but what what does the uh the future hold beyond a christmas surprise are you working on on new new material or, well so well, i guess i guess you must be i've got this chapter two ep coming out um in november and that will kind of take me up. There's three tracks that will come out, two coming out in November, one in December. That'll take me up to yeah. the new year. And then in January, it is the this debut album. So I will be spending pretty much all of next year promoting it and just doing everything I can with it, trying to get syncs for the songs, radio play, build the fan base more, just anything, you know, and everything. Yeah. But it's it's yeah. a lot of unknown, obviously, because although there's shows booked from like the spring next year, are any of them actually gonna? I don't know. Happen? Who knows? I know, mate. I know. It's it's a crazy time, like to be to be around. I I don't know. It's just so out of the blue. Um, yeah. I I just think people are willing, though. I think if you give them a good product, even if it's like. What my my friend what my friend did he he's he was a he was like a, a he used to do his open mic nights around mm -hmm. Guildford, and he'd have three three venues he that's how he'd make his living and obviously when COVID struck that was it, but he's got his little summer house right in his back garden so he decorated it up lit it brilliantly and then just does a live gig every Tuesday, and has a a donate pot so you can just donate whatever you want that's cool I was like that's fucking cool yeah probably probably makes a little bit more than he ever used to yeah <laughs> you know don't, yeah don't tell anyone but um yeah you know so i think people um but i guess what i'm getting at is it like with you know people will if you give them if you say can you help yeah they they generally will if, if the music's good yeah definitely yeah but yeah i'm definitely is. thank you definitely missing live shows and being on the road and yeah. that interaction. What was like, just one more, one more question for you. Yeah. Um, but what, what was like, what's like the biggest buzz you've ever got? Like what, when was it like the first real, like, this is, this is what I kind of, this is the payoff uh, for years of like, cause I know your journey's been like zigzaggy, but when you finally got on stage with your songs and you got a reaction from the crowd, what was that like and where was it? There's been a few different moments, like probably my biggest moment I wouldn't actually say was the most fulfilling because I wasn't singing a song that I wrote. So apart from that. Was it bad by Michael Jackson? <laughs> no, no, it was a song that I was a collaborator on. I just wasn't the writer of it. Okay, I get you. Um, but apart from that last spring I got to open for Keith Urban in London okay and that was the first time that I played all these new songs like Kissing Fools and Can't Catch Me in front of an audience with a full band and it had just kind of really felt like it was all coming together and the sound was there and the the style and everything 
I felt like I figured out who I was as an artist and it was my first chance to really show people what I'd been working on and it went down so well. So, yeah, that was buzz, buzz. That is a feeling, isn't it? That, oh, man, it's so cool. Lightning in the bottle, remember it, remember it, don't forget it. Yeah. That's kind of the thing. Yeah, totally. I, had, um, I was chatting with a guy called John Amore, who's a um, a blues blues guitarist from the sort of 90s, early noughties. Um, and he he said he struggled a lot with, with drinking and he'd forget an awful lot of what happened. But once he was touring with Buddy, Buddy Guy with his band mm. um, and he got to, Buddy guy was like, just come up, come up, man, come up on stage and play, whatever. True. And the band, they're all jamming with Buddy guy, and Buddy guy turns around to him and says, play something. And he just, so John's just playing this guitar solo, but you know, even, you know, he says in his drunken stupor and can't remember shit. He, that's the one thing that he really can remember. Yeah, I bet you know, that's I mean, cool. Who would you? Who would be your ultimate to tour with? Like your ultimate hero? Um. I would love to tour with John Mayer. He's always been on yeah. my like want to support list. I, he's definitely um, been a big influence in my songwriting. I love how he's crossed genres over the years and manages to mix styles and yeah. Um, but really, my my two heroes that are still living and still playing shows are Cheryl Crow and Van Morrison. So, Cheryl Crow's amazing yes. live. I don't know if you've ever seen her, but I'm so annoyed I haven't seen her. I've loved, I love her first two albums. Maybe I think there's possibly a third album I love as well. But I was actually listening to her the other day, actually. Um, maybe I was listening to your radio, or do you, do you know what I mean? I was listening to your music, and then, then yeah. she came on or something. Yeah. But like every day is a winding road, and what have you. Just untouchable songs. Actually, I'll tell you a really cool story, but now I can't remember his name. But forget that. So. <laughs> where was I? It was at the Americana Music Awards this year, start of this year. And um, I got chatting to this old American guy. And he told me his name, but now, like I say, I can't remember his name. But when he said it, I was like, that name sounds so familiar. And I was like, trying to piece it all together. I was like, okay, I recognize his name. He's at this award show. He's flown over from the US. He's obviously someone that I should know but I don't know who. Anyway, about half an hour later, it came to me that he is the co-writer on all of Sheryl Crow's biggest hits. And the reason I knew his name was because she's got this commentary, um, I listened to it on Spotify, where she and him sit and talk about how they came up with all the songs and the writing of all these songs. And I had to go back to him and say to him later, that I just figured out who you were, like a total fangirl. And he was mortified <laughs> and obviously such a shy guy. And he was like, oh, cool, cool. <laughs> <laughs> Thought that he could get away with just being a nobody at this after party thing, but no. Yeah. <laughs> Can you write a song with me, please, mate? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And that is terrible that I've just forgotten his name, but I'll... I think you should um, listen to that that commentary yeah. because it's really fascinating. What, oh, Jeffrey it, Trot, where, that's it. Jeffrey Trot, where do you where do you find <coughs> the commentary? I stumbled across it on Spotify one time, but now oh, I'm with Apple okay. Music, so I I'm sure it's there yeah, too. Petty did that with a couple with some of his stuff. It's really, and it's really mental. It's like 
but I've, I've, I'm pretty much reading that everything there is to, to read about Tom Petty at the moment, just learning about your heroes. It's so weird learning about your heroes. It really is. <laughs> you can almost go a little bit too deep, I think. It get, gets a bit weird. Yeah, you know, they're a bit I lo- you know. too human. Yeah, or just like, <laughs> God, do it, you know... Get a get a life, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's like <laughs> those people that just spend their entire lives like just. I used to um, work at Ringo Stars as a groundsman, um, just a gardener, and some of the fucking shit that he used to get was just beyond weird. Really, he'd be there and they'd be at the gates, pounding on the gates, going, "Ringo, I know you're in there," and they'd throw the presents over. Oh, it's so creepy. You know, that'd be like, yeah, dolls, dolls, man, just dolls in dresses and shit, and <laughs> like. Hand stitched Ringo onto it. It was insane. Very odd. Um, very odd. Pretty, pretty, pretty <laughs> weird. <laughs> yeah. Any, anyway, Kerry, um, I'll, we'll, we'll call it a night, I guess. Um, have the clocks gone back in Scotland? They have. <laughs> <laughs> they did. It was quite nice actually waking up this morning. It wasn't pitch black because it has been like that for the last couple of weeks. Yeah. Yeah. It's grim. Yeah. yeah. Long, long, hard winter, eh? <laughs> <laughs> Definitely yeah. up here. That's what we've, we've got. Snow yeah. and all that to look forward to. It's quite fun, yeah. though. Especially when we've got nowhere yeah. to go at the moment. You can actually enjoy yeah, it. exactly. And we're all in the same boat, right? Yeah. We're all fucked. So who yeah. cares? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well done for not swearing, by the way. I'm very potty mouth, so well done. Oh, that's okay. Don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, mate. Well, thank you so much for your time, and I'll, I'll drop you an email, and we can stay in contact, and I'll let you know when. I think I, I think it's going to go up this Wednesday, actually. Perfect. Um, which good. is quite cool. Normally, I have like a, an insane backlog, but I've been so goddamn lazy lately. So <laughs> that's that's really great. It's a conversation that I've just had goes up. Awesome. Really cool. That's really cool. Okay, yeah. yeah. Send me the link, and I'll promote it and talk about it and everything. That'd be great. Nice one, Kerry. Well, thank you so much for your time. No problem. Nice one. Okay, speak to you later. Have a good evening. You too, bye. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.